In uh, Matthew, the 16th chapter, we've been on this for a few weeks now, and I think it's very important. Of course, if it comes out of the Bible, you know it's important. Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 13, Jesus said, uh, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He's asking his disciples. Some said, you're John the Baptist, they say. They say some people are saying you're Elijah. Some people are saying you're Jeremiah. Some people are saying you're one of the prophets. He said to them, whom say you that I am? What do you say? You know, you don't want to try to ride on other people's backs. When people ask you what you believe, don't start saying what your church believes. Well, my preachers say this. Well, our church believes. No, no. What do you believe? Stand up for it. Right? Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Right? Look folks in the eye and say, no, you, do you believe in that speaking in tongues? You go, well, you know, the church I go to, some people do. That's pitiful. Be a man. Be a woman. Stand up and go, yeah, yeah, we tongue talking all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, we believe in it and it's good. You ought to do it too. I hear some of y'all believe in healing over there. You could, no, all of us believe in healing. Yeah, man. Anybody over there, pray for you at the drop of a hat. Yeah. You want to keep your sickness, you ought not come over there because you walk in the doors, it's in danger. Right? (laughs) I heard y'all, y'all some of that name it and frame it bunch, that confess it and possess it. Oh yeah, we believe in confession. Yes, we do. Just like Jesus said, you know. Right? If you'd say it and wouldn't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said come to pass, you'd have what you said. We believe it. Absolutely. Yes, yes. You want us to confess with you? Amen. What are you confessing? We should not be intimidated and embarrassed about what not. You don't try to push things off on people when they don't want to hear it, but nor are you intimidated, nor are you ashamed. What do you say? He said, who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. Hallelujah. Everybody say that out loud. He is the Christ. The son of the living God. Phyllis and I are talking about this this morning before church. That you know the spirit that is in the world is called the spirit of antichrist. Right? What does antichrist mean? Against the Christ, and you'll find there are overt and there are subtle things going on all over the place to take Jesus out, to make him less than what he is, that he's only a man and he's this and he's that, and it's not really necessary that you believe on Jesus, you just need to believe in God and your own way. No, 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 he is it. He is it. If you don't believe in him, you're lost. Simple. Oh, that's narrow, preacher. Yeah, and saved. Broad is the way. And many theories and beliefs that lead to destruction, Jesus said. But the way to salvation is straight and it's narrow. He said, I am the way. The way. There's only one way to the Father, to God, to heaven. One way, Jesus. Now, if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. How many are convinced? He's it. Jesus is it. He's it. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. It's His blood. Right? He's the one that's at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. He's the one we're going to stand before. He's it. And if you don't believe in Him, you are lost. No question about it. Hmm? First John said, if you don't have the son, you don't have the father either. You can't have the father. You can't have God without the son. And the more you look, there are all kind of people that don't respect Jesus. They don't respect him. And they try to make him less than what he is. Not us. I said, not us. We're going to hold him high. Amen. He is the head. We're going to hold to the head. And we're going to confess his lordship. He is preeminent. Above all, how many agree with me on this? Now, you with me? Jesus is it. You know what I mean by that? He's it. He's everything. He's everything. Above all. 
Somebody say, I love the Lord. He's everything to me. He is my Lord and my Savior. Nothing else is above Him. He's it. He's everything. Glory. Are you stirred up at least a little bit about that? I am. Bothers me when people belittle Him. Does it you? Try to make Him less than what bothers me. I'm not okay with it. Now, there's a lot of things. You don't believe in healing. I'm not going to jump up and down about it. I mean, you know, that's your right to be sick if you want to. Uh, you don't believe in prosperity. I'm, you know, I'm not going to jump. But now you try to say that you don't have to believe in Jesus. You lost me right there. And no, we can't compromise. No, I'm sorry. No. 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 There is no other name under the whole heaven whereby a man can be saved. He's it. It's him or lost. It's him, it's Jesus or lost. And if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. (laughs) And save your letters. Save them. (laughs) It'll be a waste of ink and postage. (laughs) I'm not going to change. Kate. Right? Kate. Jesus is everything. He's in him. In him. The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. He's everything. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's, he's, he was alive. He was dead. But he's alive again. He's coming again. He's everything. He's everything. You need to express it on a daily basis. Say, Lord, you are everything to me. You are everything. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my healer, my provider. You're everything. And I believe in you and I love you and you have me. Spirit, soul, and body. I am yours. Everything I am, everything I ever will be. I'm yours. And glory to God, you're mine. See, Jesus looked at him and said, what do you say about me? Who do you say I am? And when he said that, Jesus said, you're blessed. Simon Barjona, flesh and blood, didn't reveal this to you, the Father, which is in heaven. And I say to you, you're Peter. That word means a rock that could be moved. But upon this rock, another word, like a mountain. On this rock, I will build my church. What rock? The rock of who he is and what he is. The rock of him. On this rock, I, Jesus said, I will build my church. Do you hear the language here? Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've been talking for some weeks about the church. The church. The title of the series is The Church. It's not just a Sunday thing. Many people, that's all they know. What is church? Well, something you go to on Sunday for a few minutes, if you can make it. No, 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 no. The church is the Lord's church. He says, it's my church. And what's he interested in doing? Building Building it. What is the Lord doing? He's building his church. What should you and I be involved in? Working together with him to build his church. What else is he doing that he's more interested in? What else is higher at the top of his list? Somebody said, well, people getting saved. That's what I just said. (laughs) What is that? That is building the church. Part of it. A big part of it, but not all of it. Part of it is the building up of the ones that are already in the church. Someone says, well, I think it's more important for people to get saved. It's not separated. How do you think the masses are going to come in? The masses are not going to come to church. Are you with me now? The masses of unsaved people and people in other religions are not coming to church to hear the gospel. So how are they going to see Jesus? Through the believers that they work beside, that they live beside, 
that they eat beside. You understand what I'm saying? Well, the thing is, if they are around somebody that says they're a Christian and they're always defeated and they're always sick and they're always broke, why would they want to be like you? But you take a man and woman of God that is built up. Somebody say built up. Built up. Built up. Strong. That doesn't crumble. That doesn't, not full of fear like other people. Uh, not defeated like other people. That is a living witness. Every day they come to work and they see you and you're always up. You're always up. Your kids are not crazy. You stay married year after year. And you seem to be happy. It's a witness. I said it's a witness. And it won't take much of that. They will want what you have. And if the more and more of the body of Christ, the believers are built up. That does affect people in, to come in because what draws them in? The goodness of God leads men to repentance, to change. Where are they going to see that goodness of God? In you. In your life. If you are built up. Built up. So the building up of the church involves these two primary areas. The adding of new souls to the kingdom of God. Which is going to be greatly affected and impacted by the building up of those who are already in. Can you see that? So what should you and I be interested in on a daily basis? Building the church. Building the church. Getting new people in and getting the ones that are already in built up. Should we go a day that we don't do something that impacts that and helps that some way or another? No, we should not. Every day we should be looking, what can I do, Lord, to build the kingdom? What did Jesus say? On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Go to the book of Acts, please. The book of Acts. Look at the ninth chapter. Do you want to know how you can build the church better? That's what I'm dealing with today. I'm talking about practical. Boots on the ground. (laughs) Monday and Tuesday afternoon. How you, not somebody else, you, you, you can immediately impact the building and furthering of the church. The New Testament is full of it. And we're going to look at it today. In Acts, the ninth chapter. Acts 9 and 31. 9 31. says, then had the churches rest. Throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And were what? Edified. Now you're going to see and hear this word again and again and again and again. In fact, why don't somebody start keeping account this morning. Of how many verses and places we see this thought and this instruction. This is number two already. Because the Lord said he's going to do what? He's going to build his church, somebody said, that's not edify. Yeah, it is. That's what edify means. Edify means to build or to build up or to strengthen, make stronger. The church was what? The church was built up. The church was strengthened and made stronger. And walking in the fear, the reverence of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were what? Multiplied. Multiplied. Is this still the will of God for the church? Now notice, see, people will say, well, the first thing is, uh, is souls getting saved. That's not how it's worded here. What's the order here? The church was what? The church, that's the people that were already in the church. They were edified. They were built up. They were strengthened. What happened right after that? There was more of them. And they weren't just added to, they were multiplied. What if this church was multiplied by three? (laughs) Well, there'd be some building projects going on, I guess, right? Because there ain't nothing in Branson to take care of us. But would that be the will of God? Or not? So he says, well, I don't think there's enough churches already. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. 
If everybody in Springfield and Branson and Harrison and the surrounding communities decide they're going to get saved and serve God. What percentage of them could the churches that exist handle? I doubt 10%. I doubt 5%. How many understand you got thousands and thousands and thousands of people around here within driving distance. They're not going to church anywhere. They're not serving God. They're not doing anything. Now, I'm telling you a huge group. There are tens and scores of thousands of people right around this place. They are saved. They have been saved and they don't go to church. They don't do anything. You got, I talk to them all the time and they found out I'm a minister and they start saying, well, you know, I, I know the Lord. I got saved, you know, but I'm so busy. I just don't go to church. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. What if all those folk decide to come on in and serve God? No, no. The truth is the harvest is great. And the laborers are few. That's the truth. But notice how this worked. The church got built up and then they multiplied. Because people want victory. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to have a good home. Everybody wants to be healed and have their bills paid. Everybody wants that. And if they see they know how and a God who really loves them, they'll come in by the masses. We're the ones that affect the bulk of it. It's through the goodness of God manifested in our life that people are going to be drawn. And when we lift up Jesus properly, they'll be drawn to him, to him. They'll see him in us, but it's to him. Now, it said they were edified and then they were multiplied. Everybody said out loud, edified and then multiplied. Is that the will of God? For the church. The church in the whole earth. What about this local assembly? And every other local assembly. Is it really God's will. That people get weaker. And defeated. Year after year. And have splits. And a church that used to run a thousand. Now runs fifty. But they are God's select. God did a purging. In their midst. And we only got 30 people left, but we're the real committed ones. And there's no way that's the will of God. We're supposed to edify, be edified, and multiply. Multiply. What if you got so strong and so confident and so full of faith and got your marriage in good shape and your kids in good shape and your finances in good shape and your health in good shape? And so full of the word that you discipled five people and got them hooked in church on service teams. What if half the people in the church got two disciples? What would that do to the church? Huh? Couldn't fit the folks in. What if half the people in the church got one disciple? What if half the church got one disciple every year? Well, your biggest problem would be place to house everybody. If people really came and really were committed. The problem is folk are weak. They're not built up. They're so weak, it's taken all they've got just to live. They're worn out from fussing and fighting with each other all night. It takes all the faith they got to believe to pay their electric bill. Huh? Weak. Weak and babies. Is that the will of God though? That we're so weak that all we can think about is our little stuff. And we don't have time to help anybody. And we're not able to help anybody. Couldn't give anybody any money. We're wanting somebody else to give us some money. Would we multiply like that? Can you see why churches are not multiplying? Because they're weak and they're needy. And it takes everything they've got to make it through the work week without backsliding. They feel like they need a gold star if they made it from Sunday to Sunday and didn't backslide. (laughs) 
I'm doing good, Brother Keith. I only got drunk twice this week. <laughs> I'm doing good, Brother Keith. I only had one affair this year. That is where a lot of people are at. And you hear people talking about, you don't even hear about sin anymore. People have problems. And they're working on it. And what that means is five years from now, they'll still be working on it. Pitiful. 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 When we are supposed to be the strong church, the glorious church, the saved, the free, the healed, the full of power church, the prosperous church, the stand still and I'll bless you church. Stand still and I'll pray for you and we'll get this taken care of. Huh? Just stop for a minute. We'll believe God. Change this thing. Man, you get a bunch of folk living like that and doing like that, you'll multiply. You will mu- Everybody wants this. Whether they know it or not, this is what they're looking for. Everybody want, needs this. Wants this if they just find out. You believe it? If God had his perfect way with us, Faith Life Church, if exactly what he wanted to happen, happened with us, what would it look and sound like? Would we just maintain? Hmm? Would we go backwards? If God had his way with us and every other church on the planet, what would happen? You know this. We would be built up and made very strong in every way and we would be multiplied there'd be more and more and more of us how many understand more and more and more of us is less and less people going to hell less and less people defeated and having a miserable life how can anything else be the will of God he said he's not willing that any should perish now go with me if you would to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Tell me what God's emphasis is. What is his thing in the earth? Building his church. What should you and I be involved in? Building his church. What is his church? Well, the called together ones, those written in heaven. The uh, body of Christ, the bride of Christ, all these terms are used interchangeably. We are, we are, you are, I am, and all those that will be added, those that are in heaven and many on the earth. Matters not what denominational banner they're under. If they're born again, they're part of the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, notice this, this is uh, 12 and 14 are the chapters that a lot of people stay out of. Because <laughs> they have to do with the gifts, spiritual manifestations, gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you'll notice a lot of people call the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians the gifts chapter, gifts of the Spirit chapter. But really, there's more in that chapter about the body of Christ than there is the gifts. But that's not a different subject. Because the gifts, the manifestations of the Spirit, are in and through the body. And what do they affect? The building up of the body of Christ. And you see, as he goes into the 14th chapter, it is the theme. The recurring theme of this chapter is building up, building up. Building up. Somebody say building up. Building up. Now the word that's used in the King James is edify. Edify, edification. That's what it means though. Building up. 1 Corinthians 14. Are you there? He said follow after charity or love and desire spirituals. Gifts is added by the translators. That means things of and pertaining to the spirit. But rather that you may prophesy. He that speaks... In a tongue speaks not to men but unto God. For no man understands him but howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. He that prophesies speaks unto men to what? To what? 
Say it another way. To build who up? The ones that are hearing you speak. To their building up and to exhorting them and to comforting them. Now this is the true test of whether something is really of the Holy Spirit or not. Um, Any message, any prophecy, any prayer that is really inspired of the Holy Spirit and from the Holy Spirit through men, through women, is going to do these things. It's going to edify you. It's going to exhort you. It's going to comfort you. Can you see this? Anything that just tears you down and leaves you there. Wasn't the Holy Spirit. I don't care if people said, yea, thus saith the Lord. Don't care if they spoke in tongues before they said it. Are you with me now? No, no. True manifestations of the true Spirit of God edify, encourage, comfort. Can you say amen? Amen. Everybody say it out. Builds up. Encourages, encourages, comforts. That's supposed to happen when you come to church. Hmm? Everybody is not just supposed to leave scared of what's going to happen in the earth. Hmm? People are not supposed to just leave depressed over how sinful they are. Over what a lousy Christian I am. How short I've come of the glory of God. How far away from Jesus' standard and place I am. You're not supposed to leave depressed and beat down and scared. You're supposed to come in here. And any ever church all across the world, you're supposed to come in and get what? Edified. Built up. Encouraged. Comforted. Supposed to happen every time. Now, a lot of you knew that. But did you know this? Every time you come across somebody's path, every time you open your mouth and start talking, every time you do something, when the people leave you, when you leave them, they're supposed to be. They are supposed to be built up and encouraged and comforted from when before you saw them. Now, think about it. If they're not, if after spending a few minutes or an hour with you, they feel worse and they're more concerned and more upset and more scared, they would have been better off not meeting you that day. And in that case, you are not an edifier. You are a confuser hmm? and a hinderer. And oh, this has happened. Oh, this has happened so many times. And people say, well, I ain't a preacher. What's it got to do with being a preacher? Are you or are you not supposed to be an edifier, a builder up of the body of Christ? Are you? You certainly don't want to tear it down. I was getting a haircut. Uh, Oh, this has been decades ago. I've had some since then. But as you can tell, but... uh, this was before I went to Rama. This was years ago, decades ago. And ladies cutting my hair, and she knew I was a student of the Bible. I was getting into the Word even then. I mean, I, I must not have been, I don't know, 18 maybe. And she's cutting my hair. And she said, I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you if I know. Like one fellow, I didn't know how to say this then, but another fellow, a bunch of us ministers were out one day, and uh, we were talking about different Bible subjects and what have you, and he looked at us and he said, I can answer any question, any question in the Bible, any question about God, I can answer, we all stopped and looked at him, like, uh-huh. He said, often my answer is, I don't know. He said, but I can answer any question. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Often my answer is I don't know. Some people don't have enough sense to say I don't know. There are times when you don't need to say anything else except I don't know that. 
So she said, you know, and she told me this story. She said a friend of hers was walking down the sidewalk, and uh, it was one of the first spring days after a cold winter, and the birds were singing, and some flowers were beginning, the grass beginning to come out, and it was warm, and boy, she felt good. She's walking down the sidewalk, and she saw their pastor coming, and hi, pastor, and he said hi, and they began to speak a little bit. She said, isn't it a glorious day? Isn't it a beautiful day? He said, well... Depends on how you see it. He said, you know, there are people dying and going to hell today. She said, yeah, that's right. Hadn't, wasn't really thinking about that. He said, that's a problem. People don't think about it. Now, let's just stop right here. Most people wouldn't think that sounds strange at all. They expect that kind of thing out of preachers. And it's wrong. I said, it's wrong. Just as wrong as wrong can be. What it, now let me tell you how you can identify it. Is it of the Spirit of God? How would we know? Is there any edification in this? Is there any encouragement in this? Is there any comfort in this? What is there in this? Condemnation. You should feel ashamed. You should feel guilty because you are not sad today because people are dying and going to hell. Religion has taught this for centuries and it's not in the Bible and it is not God. People are taught you ought to feel bad if you're well off and other people are not. You ought to kind of be ashamed about it and, hmm, and apologize. You get an expensive car, expensive house, you ought to kind of have to apologize about it, you know. Yeah, it's nice, you know. Praise the Lord. People, you could tell people are ashamed. Why? Because they have been taught shame. They have been taught guilt and condemnation. Haven't they? From the church. From preachers. And so she said, you know, her feathers fell and she, you know, kind of drug her feet on the way where she's going thinking, oh yeah, people are dying and going to hell. And so she asked me, she said, is that right? Well, I didn't want to make this brother look bad. So I didn't tell her, but I'm telling you. No. No. It's not right. At all. Let me give you a perfect example. You got 900 people in a service that are lost and going to hell. One of them gets up and comes to the altar and gets saved. 899 Leave lost. Does the Bible say the angels in heaven cry over the 899? No. They rejoice over the one. Oh, did you get it? They rejoice. God is not negative. Condemnation is not of him. Are you with me now? And all this condemnation. People are dying in the world. You are not the savior of the world. Whether all the people in the world go to heaven or hell, it's not riding on your shoulders. Who would you think you are? I know when I worked in healing school, Brother Kenneth Hagin, very first days of my ministry, I'm wet behind the ears as you can be. And just within a year or two, I'm overseeing it. And people are coming, uh, given up by medical science to die. They're considered terminal from all over the world. Some of them have come as a very last resort. They've given up on medical science. The doctors have told them there's nothing we can do for you. You should have been dead two weeks ago. And you could feel it. Sometimes on a Monday morning, the room was just full of death. You could feel it, just the oppression. Well, when you feel like you, they tell you you should have been dead a week ago. You got no future on the earth. Most people are not exuberant. And without meaning to, I, you know, I, I did what I knew to do. But I'm young. And I'm studying night and day. I prayed and I fasted till none of my clothes would fit. And uh, my group that was helping me, bless their hearts, they'd come in. They'd say, well, Brother Keith, it's lunchtime. I said, no, nah, let's pray. We did this for months. Serious. But I got too serious. Are you listening? And without meaning to, I got too intense. 
And we'd see people healed, but then we'd have somebody die. And I'd think, "Mm, if I knew more, if I had more faith, if I wasn't so green, maybe if I was more committed. Are you with me? And instead of rejoicing about what was happening good, I'm focusing on what didn't happen. And I know I got to be where I was no fun to be around. Phyllis didn't say much about it, but I know I was no party. Because I'm taking it home with me. And all I'm doing is reading and praying and fasting and missing God. Did you hear this now? Reading and praying and fasting and missing God. Missing God. Intense. One day I was in the floor praying for the nth time and hour and fasting. And praying and fasting is good and right. You know that. But you can miss God praying and fasting. And I said, God, God, you got to help me. We lost another one. Not to mention we had 10 healed. Did God guarantee you that everybody you preach to is going to get saved? He told you some of them are not. It's their choice. Is everybody going to, you know, receive everything that God has for them? It's up to them too. It's not just all up to you. And so I'm in the floor of God. And he spoke to me. I don't mean an audible voice, but it was strong in me. He said, Keith, what shook me? He said, Keith, you are not the Savior. I thought, whew. He's not happy about this. He said, stand up. Man, I stood up trembling. He said, Keith, you are not the Savior. Whether people go to heaven or hell is not resting on your shoulders. They are not big enough. He said, Keith, you are not the healer. Whether these people live or die is not resting on you. It's too big of an issue to rest on you. But see, religion will tell you it is. And it's a lie. I said, it's a lie. I said, Lord, forgive me. I've obviously displeased you. I said, help me with this. You know, it hasn't been making me happy. He said, son, you are not responsible for whether people live or die or go to heaven or hell. Smith says, well, now wait a minute. You know, back in Ezekiel, he told him, if you don't tell them what I tell you, their blood will be on your hands. Look at the whole passage. What? If you don't tell them what I told you to tell them, and ain't you being responsible for the whole world? Those people think they can't go down the street without witnessing to everybody they meet, whether they're obnoxious or not. And they're not driven out of love. It's fear and condemnation, which is not God. And it's not right. He said, son, whether they live or die is not up to you and resting on your shoulders. He said, you are responsible to do what I tell you to do. And to give them what I give you. And once you've done that, you cast the care of the rest of it over on me. And you enjoy your salvation. And if you don't, you're being a poor witness. A sad, grouchy, depressed preacher is a bad witness. A heavy, heavy, intense Christian depressed is a bad witness. It took me a little bit, but I made the adjustment. Oh, you still love people, but you realize it's not all up to me. I'm not God. I'm not the healer. I'm not the provider. People will come and try to make you their source. You got, people do it with the church. You got to help us. You got to pay our bills. Said who? Well, you're the church. Yeah, not God. Your family will come and go, you're my daddy. You have to give me the money. His name ain't Jehovah Jireh. You're my brother, you're my sister, you have to give us the money. Don't let anybody ever make you their source. Don't you let them do it. People will try to condemn you. But go, oh, I thought you was a believer and I come to you for help and you won't help me. No, you're trying to make me the Lord and I'm not. Absolutely not. No, sir, no, ma'am. You need to look to the Lord just like I do. Need to believe God just like I do. He's the source. He's the healer. He's the provider. 
People will come sometimes and grab you because God's not real to them. And they'll grab you. If you don't do this, I'm not going to make it. You have to fix my situation. Don't let them do it. Do not let them do it. Say, no, 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 no. I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do. But I'm not your healer. I'm not your source. You better get your eyes off of me. And on him. Even if you could do something for him. How quickly can it get beyond what you can do? And if they don't know how to look to him. They're in a mess. So it took me a little adjustment. But eventually I did. Sure I love the folks. Sure I care whether they live or die. Go to hell or heaven. Sure I do. But it's not all up to me. So I pray. I study. I do what I know to do. And I'd come in and I'd give the folks everything I had. Pray with them with all the faith I had. I'd preach to them with all I knew. And then I learned to leave there and cast the care over on the Lord. And get on my motor scooter and blow some leaves off the road and have some fun. Did you hear me? And enjoy my salvation. Because it's not going to help anybody for me to be depressed over their situation. Are you with me or not? What is our involvement in our pursuit? Edify. Edify. Keep reading here. He that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, or encouragement, one translation says, and comfort. Everybody say, building up, up. encouraging, Encouraging. comforting. comforting. You can tell it's the Holy Spirit when you see these elements in it. He goes on to say, Uh, He that speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds up himself. But he that prophesies edifies or builds up the church. Now, these guys spoke in tongues a lot with no interpretation. Got to remember how this thing started off. How did it start off on the day of Pentecost? Speaking in tongues. And so they're all talking in tongues. But they're just jumping up, blurting out tongues in the middle of the service, interrupting each other, interrupting the preachers, because they felt the anointing and jumped up and spoke in tongues. And he's giving us some instruction, and it covers a lot of ground for us. What does he tell them? He says, when you're talking in tongues, you are being edified. But when you're among other people, you don't need to just be thinking about your blessing. You need to be thinking that everything I do... He's going to do what? Edify people that are around me. You know, you have to wonder about folks that get so excited in the spirit that they start flailing their arms and take four or five people out around them. Well, they're not edifying the folks that are around them in their spiritual experience. Hmm? People get excited and play their tambourine in their neighbor's ear to where they can't hear for the rest of the day. (laughs) People are getting so blessed, but they're intruding on people that are around them and infringing on them. Well, that's an indication that it's not really the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? It can just be their spirit excited. When something is really a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? Building up. Encouraging. Comforting. He go, This whole chapter deals with that, doesn't it? He said, I would, verse 5, that you all spoke with tongues. But rather that you prophesied, greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues, except he interpret. Why? He's talking about things that happen in a church service. Why? That the church may receive edify. Anybody keep an account? Huh? Where are we now? I hear six and seven. He said, unless I come speaking by revelation, something knowledge and prophesying and doctrine that's going to benefit you, edify you. Basically, he's saying, what's the value of it? What's the benefit of it? He said in verse 12. Even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may what? This is smack dab in the middle of the New Testament. Speaking to the church. It's being said and resaid and resaid. Are we to seek that we what? Excel to the what? Edifying, building up, 
strengthening, encouraging, comforting of the church. You know, when we first started, the Lord dealt with me. I want you to excel in hospitality. And I'm going to bring people through. I'm going to bring ministers through. And they're going to be weary. And they're going to get refreshed and renewed while they're here. Well, that's what this is, right? That's, yes, that is excelling at edifying. Yes. Amen. I want you, friend, to get it in your spirit this morning that you are a builder up of the brethren. And you are going to believe God and you're going to practice till you get good at it. Are you awake? Are you with me? You get good at it. Somebody shows up around you having a bad day. They're in for a surprise. Because you are an artist at turning it around and showing them how to see it. And in five minutes flat making them feel better than they felt in three days. Come on now, are you with me? And not just a bunch of vain flattery and junk. Solid word. Solid word and faith. Said out loud, I am an edifier of the brethren. I excel at the building up of the brethren. I'm good at it. Now you don't get good at anything unless you do it. And do it. And do it. Most people are not doing it. What are they doing? They're telling people their problems. Aren't they? Or if they don't have any pressing problems of their own, they tell them something else bad they heard. From somebody, did you hear? And people go, oh, man, that's bad. And people think that is a being a conscientious Christian. To talk about trouble and bad stuff and look at each and go, "Mm -mm, we need to pray. Of course, never do. But we need, yeah, we we need to pray. Lord, what's this world coming to? Mm -mm." People think that's being a good Christian. Listen to me. It's real simple. Real simple. If they walked away from you. Lower than when they came. You did a lousy job. You talk stuff you shouldn't have brought up. I don't care if it's true. Doesn't mean you're supposed to talk about it. Is it going to bless them? Are they going to be edified? You got to ask yourself this question before you start telling the story. Before you start telling them, before you start talking about it, ask, have some wisdom. Look ahead. When we get through the conversation and they walk away, where are they going to be? More upset or encouraged? Distressed or comforted? Weaker or stronger? He said, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Get a hold of that verse and hold it close to you, your bosom all day and night. Seek that you may excel, excel to the edifying of the church. Somebody say edify. 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 Skip down to verse 26. There's a lot more of that here, but for time's sake. He said, how is it, brethren, when you come together? Everybody's got a psalm, you got a doctrine, a teaching, you got a tongue, you got a revelation, you got an interpretation. That's all fine, that's good, but what? Let all things, let everything you do, I mean from announcements hmm, to the altar call, everything in between, everything that happens in the parking lot. Everything that happens in the children and the youth should be what? Let all of it. Let all things be done unto edifying. Edifying. When I first went to work with Brother Hagin's ministry, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, they put me in the uh, prayer and healing part, and I was on the phones. I mean, I'm really green. And... uh People would call up 
And then sometimes people would come by and I'm going to talk to them and pray with them about their problems. Well, we didn't have a perfect family, but a pretty good family. I mean, my mom and dad loved each other and stayed together and loved us kids. And we weren't rich, but we didn't go hungry. And we lived in the country and I played and had fun. And we didn't see some of the crazy junk that's in the world. Thank God. And I'm sitting there. I'm just, how would I have been? Yeah, I was 19. I'm 19. And a year or two before this, I'm going to be a fighter. So that's where I'm at. And people will tell me their stories and what's wrong in their life. And they start crying. And they're low as can be. And I'm sitting there listening. And they they look at me and go, Brother Keith, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I reach and get the Kleenex box and pull one and hand them. And I'm thinking... I don't know what you're going to do either. You, you're messed up. You're, I didn't know you could be that messed up. Now, I didn't say it, but I'm thinking it. And I'd reach and get them a Kleenex, and I'd get one for me too. And they're crying, and I'm going, oh, they're going, my God, Brother Keith. I'm going, yeah, I know. I don't know if God could help you on this. Oh, oh. We're crying. They cry and I'm crying with them. But now what do we do after that? Huh? What good does that do? For them to say it's awful and I go, yeah, it's awful. Terrible. It's worse than that. I think it's really about all, but I never heard of anything any worse. <laughs> then you and I are in agreement that it's horrible and can't be fixed. And have you found out the more you cry about it and the more you talk about it, do you feel better? No, you get worse. You get weaker. You go lower. And I realized the Lord got a hold of me. He said, now, they didn't come here for you to agree with the impossibility of their situation. They need to be built up. You got to help get them up. What do they need? Situations in life. Their own mistakes, whatever, has torn them down, has torn them down, has weakened them, has confused them, has made them distraught. What do they need? What do they need? They need to be built up, don't they? They need to be built up. They need to be encouraged. They need to be strengthened. And you quoting what you heard on the news is not going to do it. What somebody thought about something one time. You got to have something solid. You got to have it is written. And you got to be convinced of it yourself. Hmm? You got to say it with so much faith and conviction, it convinces them. I'll never forget uh, when first started laying hands on people, I'd heard people say, well, you know, if you don't have faith, then uh, just don't even come down here because you're not going to get anything anyway. And I was kind of thinking, well, it's up to you. It's up to you. And then I realized the Lord got to speaking to me. He said, well, it's up to you to help them get there. Amen. If they're not there. I said, that's what I got you there for. I said, yes, sir. So I came to a lady one time. She was older. She was kind of, you could tell, uncomfortable being in the healing. I got ready to pray for her. And I just stopped. And I said, uh, I said, sister, do you believe when I lay hands on you that you'll be healed? She says, well, I don't know. I mean. If it be his will. And you know. I'd heard other folks say. Well you know. You're not going to get anything. You don't believe. You go sit down. And I thought. That's wrong. I looked at her. I said sister. I'm convinced. That the anointing is on me right now. To pray for you. Now if you really believe it. People can see it in your eyes. If you really believe it. They can hear it in the tone of your voice. I said, I just prayed for them, and man, I sensed the anointing. And I told her about some people that just got healed the day before. I said, God's healing. Boy, she's eating up every word of it. She's looking at me. I said, I'm convinced. Would you let me pray for you? I just know when I lay hands on you, anointing's going to come on you. I looked her in the eye. She said, you think so? I said, no, I know so. She said, really? I said, and I could tell what's happening in her. She's going, you think so? I said, no, I'm convinced. She said, well, pray for me then. (laughs) That's it. How many got a desire? You want to be good at this. Excel at it. 
People can come in in a fog of depression. They can come in full of doubt, fear, and unbelief. But just give you a half hour with them. Just give me 30 minutes. Just sit there and be quiet. Listen now and give me a few minutes. Let me tell you what God's done for me. Let me tell you what he did in the Bible. Let me tell you what he can do and is ready to do right now for you. All we got to do is, how many understand this enthusiasm? It's contagious. It's faith. This confidence. It'll just jump off of you and get on there. Maybe they start out going, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I had some guys in a class one time I was teaching, and some of them didn't believe it was God's will for them to be healed. And I gave them 30 reasons why it was God's will for them to be healed. I said, well, I'm convinced it's God's will. And I'm talking about preaching an hour or so at a time on each one of them. This happened over a period of time, you understand. (laughs) Weeks and weeks. But it just has a pounding effect. A pounding effect. A pounding effect. Well, this reason. And this reason. And this reason. And after about reason 10 and 15, you got the people that was even hard-hearted going, well... Could be something to that, you know. <laughs> and after about reason 20, they're going, I see that. I see. Well, yeah, yeah. By reason 29, they're going, pray for me already. Pray for me. I pray for me. I'll be healed. <laughs> you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit to be an excellent encourager of the brethren, an edifier, a builder upper. Can you say amen? Let all things be done unto edifying. I got one more verse for you. Got time for it? One more verse. Unless the Lord says different. (laughs) Well, I don't want to short you. You don't want me to short you, do you? 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. What does it say? Verse 23. All things... Are lawful for me. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me. But all things what? Edify not. Listen to the amplified. All things are legitimate. Permissible. But not all things are helpful. Expedient. Profitable and wholesome. All things are legitimate. But not all things are constructive. And edifying. When we go through our day. We can say whatever we want to say. We can do whatever we want to do. But should we? We can tell people anything we want to tell them. About our problems or somebody else's. We can come and rain on their parade. Like that woman that was happy. First day of spring. And she met that preacher and ruined her day. We can rain on somebody's parade. We can make them feel bad when they were feeling good. But should you? And why should you? And what purpose does it serve? There's all kind of things you can do, but should you? All kind of things you could talk about, but should you? How many remember Ephesians, what was it, about 429 or so? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. Is it true that nothing is to come out of your mouth that doesn't edify? Now don't you misunderstand me. God will correct you. Oh, he'll jack you up. Are you kidding? Whew, I mean, he, he will tell you in no uncertain terms and you'll know you are wrong and you'll know you need to repent. But by the time he gets through with you, you're encouraged that now you got the answer. You can go on past this thing. So no, that doesn't mean because you're edifying somebody that you can't correct them. You can't, you know, jerk the slack out of them and go, hey, boy, look at here. What are you thinking? That doesn't edify me. Well, just stand still and wait. We're not through. We've got to get this corrected first, fixed first. Then we know what to do and do it. Then we'll all be edified. Yeah. <laughs> it's too quick to go. That doesn't edify me. It's easy to say that about anything that corrects you. That's very convenient now, isn't it? No, I'm not receiving that. That's none of the Spirit of God because it didn't edify me. It didn't bless me. That's not edifying me. Shh, shh, shh. 
Because you don't want to hear it. Because you need to be corrected. Well, forget that. That's not going to work. Stay with it. Get to the end. Whom God loves, he chastens, he corrects. But when it's all over with, you'll be glad he did. It will encourage you. It'll build you up. He said, all things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. There's all kind of things we can do every day. Now, you're going to have to take this seriously to make a difference because people are used to just running their mouth. They are used to just something coming across their mind and then they go tell everybody what they're thinking about. They see something on the TV or the news and they just go call everybody and tell. They're used to just running their mouth. And the Bible says in the multitude of words, there lacks not, wanteth not sin. Ask yourself the question. What's the question? Before you tell them. Before you tell them. Is this going to help them? Well, it's true. I don't care if it's true. Not just true things. Whatever things are true. Hmm? Pure. Lovely. Need to be a good report. Right? The list goes on. Just because it's true is not enough. Check yourself. Is this going to help them in their situation? Some people think, well, you know, I'm not a fake and phony. I just say what's on my mind. I'm sorry. I'm blunt. That's just the way I am. That's inexcusable. If your bluntness causes somebody to be weaker than before they talk to you, I just call it like I see it. Did it help them? Well, they need to see it. Did they? No. Well, then you missed God. Somebody needs to tell them. How'd you know it was you? (laughs) And if they leave more depressed than before they talk to you, it wasn't you. People make excuses, and they ought to be repenting. I just call it like I said. I just, you know, just burn it out. You just, no, no. Before you start talking, is it going to help them? Is it going to encourage them? Is it going to build them up? If not, be quiet till you see what will. And in order to grow and develop yourself as you walk away or as you hang up the phone, you need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, okay, how did it go? Were they encouraged or not? Were they more upset after I talked to them than before? Are you with me? What is the Lord Jesus doing in the earth today? He is building his church. What are we doing? We are working together with him to build his church. How do you build the church? The believers are edified and then multiplied. Is this the New Testament? Is this the plan of God and the will of God? How many edifiers of the brethren do I have in here? Stand on your feet. Be counted by standing and say, I am an edifier of the brethren. I excel at building up my brothers and sisters. Pray over it for a moment here. Say it out loud. Father God, forgive me For any words or actions that discouraged another. Anything I've ever done that actually hurt somebody's faith or discouraged them or made them weaker or more confused or more fearful, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I sincerely repent. And I ask you to help me. Make me aware. Set a watch at the door of my lips. And alert me before I say and do anything that would not be edifying. And I'm asking you. I'm willing to do it. I desire to do it. Teach me. And mold me. And help me to be an excellent edifier of my brothers. Make me a skillful builder 
of the church. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's praise him some. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let excitement build in your spirit about you encouraging other people. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, Dave, come on. Thank you, Master. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.